and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Hip Hop and Anime Vibes, the podcast. You're rocking with your boy D-Town, a.k.a. Hip Hop and Anime Vibes, a.k.a. Mewtwo Pac Shakur, a.k.a. Goody Mob Psycho 100, a.k.a. Living My Life Like It's Golden Freezer, a.k.a. Kotsky Baku Glow. And you are now tuned into episode number six. What's poppin'? What's good? How's your week been? First and foremost, make sure to keep up with this particular podcast. You are subscribing, following, liking, commenting, and sharing on whatever platform you listen to your podcasts on, whether that be iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, wherever. Make sure you subscribe, all right? Because you will be notified when the new episodes drop. Second thing, second order of business. You guys may or may not know I am an MC and I am giving away 100 copies of my first solo album, the Northsider EP, to all my closest fans, my biggest fans, and my biggest supporters. I, I've, I've already purchased 100 copies and they will go fast. So please click the link in the description to make sure you get yours, regardless of where you are in the world. I will send it to you. The only thing you have to do is cover shipping. Beyond that, the CD is free, all right? So make sure you get your free CD. Next order of business, make sure you join the Hip Hop and Anime Vibes Facebook group. This is where we keep the conversations from the podcast going, whether it's hip hop, whether it's anime, if you have something to contribute to the conversation or would like to start up a brand new conversation, please make sure that you follow us on Facebook. Lastly, but certainly not leastly, this podcast has been brought to you by me. Yes, that's right, a real nigga in the flesh. D-Town's latest single, You're a Star, is now available worldwide on all digital platforms. That's right, I said it worldwide on all digital platforms. Wherever you stream your music from, you can hear my latest song, all right? It's called You're a Star. It's pretty dope. It documents my trials and tribulations through becoming an MC and through coming up in this hip hop career. So once you're done with this, type in D-Town, You're a Star, and listen to that track. I guarantee you, you will love it, all right? Now, let's get into today's show. This is going to be a hip-hop-driven show, all right? Uh, the podcast is a little bit late this week because I am planning a trip out of the country. I am going to be vacationing in Cabo, Mexico, with my lovely wife. We've been working really hard on a lot of this shit, on a lot of our side projects and our, at our nine-to-fives as well. So this vacation is well-deserved, but do not worry. I have some ideas for some content that I'm going to bring you guys. I want to bring those ideas to life. You will have a podcast while I'm vacationing. Just know that it'll be pre-recorded, but it's going to be really dope. And I think you guys are going to like it. All right. So let's get into the show. So it's going to be hip hop, pop culture related. I want to start off by first saying rest in peace to John Singleton, prolific, iconic legendary black director taken from us at the age of 51, uh, very young age. He uh, 
had a stroke and uh, his health declined from there. And that's when he uh, passed. Although he passed at such a young age, he uh, accomplished so much during his course of life. Uh, he became the youngest director to be nominated for an Oscar for best film. He had a very distinct way of directing his films, and he's directed such films as Four Brothers, Poetic Justice, Boys in the Hood, Woo, Baby Boy, just a real iconic director. My thoughts, prayers, and condolences go out to his family. John Singleton, thank you to everything, or I'm sorry, John Singleton, thank you for everything that you've contributed to not only cinema, but thank you for inspiring a whole generation behind you of black directors and black cinematographers and just people in general. His impact was spread far and wide and he will be truly missed. Up next, if you guys listen to my other podcast with my brother Melo D titled Industry Rule Number 4080, you would have observed that I am indeed a Remy Ma fan. So this hits close to home. Remy Ma made headlines for punching love and hip hop star, star, I think that might be a bit of a stretch, but punching love and hip hop star, Britney Taylor in the face. Left that chick with a shiner. Now here's the thing. I wholeheartedly believe that Remy Ma would indeed punch a woman in her face. After all, this is a woman that shot her friend over a dice game, allegedly. I don't know the full details there, but um, I assume if you are, if you would shoot your friend, then you would punch a stranger in the eye without hesitation. Nevertheless, the story behind this, allegedly Brittany Taylor set up Remy Ma's daughter to get whooped on or to get beat on. Now, this is their oldest daughter, not their youngest child. I believe uh, it's uh, she was married into the family from a previous relationship that Pat Poos had. I could definitely see her punching a person in the eye over the security of her daughter. Now, Remy Ma has surrendered to authorities, all right? So she's currently in jail. However, Remy states that she has photo and video evidence proving that she was at home when the alleged attack happened. Now, this says a lot of things to me, all right? This lets me know that Remy may be able to prove that she did not punch the young lady in the eye at said day and at said time that that happened. But on the other, on the other side of that coin, that does not say to me that Remy... <laughs> did not punch that woman in the eye. It just says that when they're alleging it happened, it did not happen, all right? Free Remy, I love Remy. I hate to see Remy go back to jail in circumstances like this, especially since her parole was supposed to be up in August. This is really serious because if they convict her of this assault charge, she could be forced to go back to jail and carry out the rest of her sentence from when she originally went to jail in the first place. I really love the media darling that Remy Ma has become, although she says some problematic shit sometimes that I don't agree with. I really love her personality. I really love how she's managed not only to come out of jail, but to make an honest living for herself and rehabilitate and reintegrate 
into society. So my thoughts and prayers go out to her. I wish nothing but the best for her. In the words of the great Conan Izagawa, one truth will prevail. And I just want to take a few moments to stand out real quick. The reason that I love Remy Ma so much and why she earned my buy-in as a hip-hop enthusiast. In 2016, 2017, there weren't really a whole lot of hip-hop disses going on. And Remy popped off with Sheether after she had been sub-dissed by Nicki Minaj for the better part of a year and a half, almost two years, all right? And uh, this diss was, although the quality of the recording wasn't the best and some people may debate the flow, one thing for certain is the lyricism in this track was some of the hardest shit that had come out as a diss track in 2017. And it was, it came directly from a woman. That's right. A woman was spitting harder than most niggas when it came to diss tracks in 2017. It definitely was a highlight for me. Nikki tried to clap back and say, oh, we don't write diss songs. We write hit songs. Then she went and she tried to force this uh, Drake, Lil Wayne, and Nicki Minaj record down our throats that didn't really do too well in my eyes. Remy Ma definitely won the battle, but if we're talking about notoriety in hip hop and longevity, I feel that Nicki Minaj definitely won the war. Anyway, what are your thoughts on the Remy Ma situation? Please let me know in the comments. Do you think she's innocent or do you really think that she punched this young woman in the eye for setting up her daughter? Would love to know. Comment and let me know. Your boy Justin Bieber is back at it again. And this is why all cookout invites have been put on an indefinite hiatus. If you guys are familiar with cookout culture, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. In the words of the great poet laureate and philanthropist, Pusha T, if you know, you know. If you don't, you don't, all right? But Justin Bieber is back at it again. Not only has he criticized Eminem, but he's also gone on a rant where he's comparing Chris Brown to uh, having a bigger impact than Tupac and Michael Jackson combined. Let's take a moment and unpack that. First and foremost, Justin Bieber first went on a rant about Eminem's 2018 release, Kamikaze, in which the first track on the album, The Ringer, has Eminem going at a bunch of the younger artists and targeting a bunch of the younger artists in the industry. Essentially on that track, what he's doing is he's showing his lyrical prowess. He's talking about how the game has changed and how he's a better MC and puts out a better product than a lot of those artists and a lot of the artists that he mentioned, named, or poked fun at. Justin Bieber said, I really like Eminem's flow and I really like his shit, but I don't like how he's targeting other artists and dissing younger artists. I feel like that shit's whack. Let me, and I'm paraphrasing that. That's not word for word. That's not quote. I'm paraphrasing that. But essentially he said that shit. Listen, this is what happens, all right? First and foremost, if you've been listening to hip hop for quite a while, and if you followed Eminem's career for quite a while, you would know that some of the things that he does is he does names drops very well. Throughout every era of his career, he has some friction with not only pop culture icons, he not only name drops pop culture icons, but he gets into back and forths with rappers as well, all right? This isn't anything new. 
All right. When we have people that don't really know the culture of hip hop commenting on the culture of hip hop, it looks a little weird to me. Right. Hip hop was very competitive. All right. And I'm certain there's a law of power that states you need to adapt and modify to the times. And Eminem certainly isn't adapting really well to the modern times, I want to say, like as far as like embracing younger artists. But this is what he's built his career on. He's built his career on being a superior MC. Lyricism and saying outlandish shit and not holding your tongue is something that he's built his brand on. When people say, I feel like Eminem shouldn't be targeting younger artists. I feel like he shouldn't be talking about other rappers. I feel like he shouldn't be targeting this generation or that generation or talking about this person or that person. It's the equivalent of complaining about water being wet. It's the equivalent of complaining about fish swimming all the time. It's like, fam, that's the nature of the beast. That's the nature of the monster. Now, I will say that there are times where he pushes the envelope and says things that he shouldn't say, such as the shit that he said about Tyler, the creator. All right. I'm not going to repeat it here, but that shit different time in the early 2000s. That shit probably would have went under the radar. Now in 2019, you should know better than that. We've progressed as a society. It wasn't right then and it wouldn't be right now. So he does push the envelope, but still, when it comes to him just talking about other artists in general, fam, what the fuck? Fam, what do you expect? He's been doing this shit for damn near 20 plus years. He hasn't changed up and he's not gonna change up now. I'm sorry. But either way, I always I I feel like what Bieber is doing at this point in time, I don't know if it's album mode, but this shit seems a little bit displaced, right? He's talking about an album that came out almost eight months ago. And this is a conversation that we had when the shit happened. Why he's picking this conversation up and starting this conversation now, I have no clue. But to me, if this conversation was recent, it appears that he's striving to maintain some type of relevancy. And what other way to strive for relevancy and to achieve relevancy than to one, talk about arguably one of the biggest hip hop artists in the world, and two, to talk about hip hop. Because as we know, as it stands right now, hip hop is the most dominant genre across all genres worldwide. I think we just really have to be careful with who we let comment on hip hop culture and we have to identify when it's a genuine conversation and when there might be ulterior motives or a money grab behind it. I don't know what Bieber's intentions are, but again, it feels a little bit off that we're having a conversation now about an album that came out in April or August of 2018. Like fam, where were you when you dropped? You're such a big Eminem fan. When did that pop off? All right. Moving on to his second comment uh, about Chris Brown. I do have it here word for word. I will read it to you in my best professional voice ever. Uh, no, nah, I think I'll put a Justin Bieber voice on for this one. Everybody wants to wait till people die to give them the credit that they deserve. I'm calling it now. When Chris Brown passes away after a long, full life, you will miss what you had in front of you the whole time. Trust me, bro. Trust me. Watch. You will see. 
the people who overlooked this man's talent because of his mistake that he made, you need to reevaluate. Love you, Chris Brown. This came as a caption to a post where he uh, put a picture of Michael Jackson, a plus sign, a photo, a photo of Tupac, uh, and an equal sign of Chris Brown, essentially saying Michael Jackson plus Tupac equals Chris, Chris Brown. I think the sentiment of this thing, right, is genuine, right? I think he's showing genuine support for his friend, right? But I think there's other ways to express that, which again, takes me back to this whole cookout culture thing and what the motive is here, right? Because you could accomplish this same sentiment by just posting a picture of Chris Brown and showing your respect to him without trying to place him on the back or compare him to or tear down or build up, however you want to look at it. Like, Michael Jackson and Tupac have no business in the same sentence as like being bigger or less than Chris Brown. I think those are three completely different conversations or two different conversations, depending on how you want to look at it. But either way, knock on wood, right? I'm not wishing death upon anybody, but death is a real thing. Let's talk about it. I think in the unlikely event that Chris Brown were to pass, whether it be soon or whether it be years down the life, I hope he lives a long, happy, healthy life. It will be a big event. His music has had an impact on fans across the world. Um, I don't think he'll be any bigger or any less than maybe a Tupac or a Michael Jackson. But again, I'm looking at what Bieber's motives are here, right? This is a little weird. This is a little weird. This nigga ain't been right ever since he started hanging out with Lil Twist and Lil Chucky and uh, was wilding out doing wild drugs in his driveway at his mansion and wrecking goat carts and shit like that on his neighbor's front yard and shit. Like, ever since he started hanging out with them YMC and B niggas back in like the early to mid 2000s, man's has been a little off. In the words of Paul Mooney, everybody want to be a nigga, but don't nobody want to be a nigga. Like, for fam, that's, the, that's kind of the vibe I get from Justin Bieber at times. But... I don't know about this one, Jack. I don't know about this one. I got I got my eye on this guy. I don't know if he's got an album coming up. I don't know if he's got a tour coming up. I don't know if he's putting a single out, but he's hitting too many key points for something not to be coming and for him to just be running his mouth like this, all right? I feel like something's coming down the pipeline and I feel like there might even be somebody behind the scenes like a PR person or something like that pushing him in this, this direction to say these things to generate the public's response and again they're doing that on the backs of our famous black icons our famous black fallen legends now look me personally I could be wrong in all of this shit and I'm okay with that you do not have to subscribe to my beliefs but I would prefer if you subscribe to this channel, <laughs> all right? Let me know in the comments what you think. Am I reaching? Am I a little too paranoid? Or is he just making a genuine gesture to his friend, having conversations around music and about music? What do you guys think? Let me know in the comments. Ugh. Oh man, this next one low-key fucked me up. And I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this one because I don't have a whole lot of information. I know probably just about as much as you guys know. Um, my guy, Joe Button and Sin Santana appear to have split. Now, look, this is what you guys need to know about me. I listen to the Joe Button podcast often. Love the Joe Button podcast. I love the dialogue that he has. 
Um, I'm familiar with his relationship with Sin. I know they have a son together and I know that they were engaged, right? This low key fucks me up because I think their relationship represented so much. And I hate putting people on a pedestal, but subconsciously I did this to myself anyway. Not saying anyone else should look at these guys like this, but I looked at their relationship as it being important to the culture because it shows how black men in hip hop can grow and evolve beyond the toxicity that we had when it came to women prior to the early 2010s. If you go back and you listen to some of this old school hip hop shit or, or any hip hop in general, still, some of it is quite misogynistic, quite toxic. And there was an era there where it was just taboo to have a girlfriend to, you know, you had to have many bitches, not a wife. Like what the fuck you talking about? You getting engaged? You out here wifing these hoes? Are you kidding me? So I was happy to see that kind of phase out. And I was really happy to see Joe grow and mature as a man uh, and find someone that he loved and take that step and engage in what appeared to be a serious relationship. So them splitting, like even my wife hit me, was like, yo, what the fuck is this? And I'm like, I don't know, like what happened? You know what I mean? So um, I don't know what the deal is. I don't know what the split is. I don't know what it's over. But from what I understand, she has already moved out of his motherfucking house. And slowly but surely, this podcast is becoming the shade room. And I don't like that. I'm going to have to change the tone and some of the topics that we talk about. But I'm going to segue out of that. But before I do, I want to know what do you guys think up, think about the breakup of Sin and Joe? Do you care? Do you not care? Let me know. I'll be more than happy to listen to your thoughts and opinions on the matter. All right. On the home stretch, I've got a song breakdown for you guys. Let's not call it a song breakdown. All right. Let's just call it a review. And I don't even want to call it a review. I want to call it something else. Maybe a reaction. I don't know if I want to call it a reaction. I don't know what I want to call it, but I feel like breakdown, review, and reaction heightens the expectation of what you're going to get from this next segment. And please believe you me, part of this relationship right here, the relationship between me and you, all right, is... Uh, I have to manage your expectations. <laughs> so I don't want to jap you up for an experience or get you all hyped up for an experience when it's not going to be that. But I am going to discuss Joyner Lucas's latest song slash video, which would be Devil's Work. Now, Joyner Lucas, for those of you who may or may not know, is a rising talent in hip hop. He's been making waves for a couple of years now. Um, he's had songs with Eminem. He's got a really, what I consider to be a modern classic mixtape. Uh, if you guys go and listen to it, well, maybe not a modern classic, but a cult classic. If you're a Joyner Lucas fan or you've listened to his music and you like hip hop, you will swear that this is a solid project. He displays a solid amount of skills. He's not afraid to go back and forth with anyone lyrically. As a matter of fact, he went back and forth with Tory Lanez uh, in, I want to say, 2018. And uh, they exchanged a couple different rounds over different beats and stuff like that. So, and he really embodies uh, what I feel to be like uh, that spirit of competitive hip hop 
nature. You know, he really cares about his craft, what it is he's doing. Uh, he's went at logic a couple times, although I don't necessarily agree with the nature of that, but still I understand, right? This particular song, he does what he does very well. I would refer to this track as a conceptual introspective hip hop track that focuses on Joyner in a church praying to God, looking for answers as far as why God has taken so many prolific, iconic, and legendary Black leaders and Black figures from us, and also why he allowed so many evil, distasteful, disgusting, rude, evil people survive and live. These types of tracks, Jorner does very well. Just the way that he paints pictures and puts words together really brings the listener in and you're able to see it from his perspective. And he can even, not necessarily on this track, but on some of his other records, he's able to get you to see dual perspective. On tracks like I'm Not a Racist, he gives you the perspective from both sides of the argument, you know, the black side and the white side. Uh, but again, these are tracks that he does very well. The flow that he used on this one, it was a solid flow, very linear and uncomplicated. Now, when I say uncomplicated, that's not a diss in any way, shape, size, or form. Joyner oftentimes is known to flow in double time, very quick, very fast paced rap, very rapid, very intricate, very complex. This is still very impressive. It's just not as complicated as some of his other tracks are, but with the type of track that this is, the type of flow and the type of cadence that he is using, I feel is necessary because it allows the listener to hear every word clearly as it happens. Whereas when sometimes when he does his double or triple time flow, you may have to run it back a couple different times to catch some stuff that you may have missed the first time. The delivery on this track is very emotional. You know, he goes through a spectrum of different emotions. You can hear the sadness, then you can hear the anger, you can hear the frustration, and he toggles between those emotions while he's delivering this track very fluently, very well. It was one of the things that made it stand out to me because with him conveying those different emotions through those different lines, you're able to grasp exactly how he feels and it brings you in as a listener. The best way that I could describe this production would be uh, very dark and gloomy, but when the hi-hats kick in, it gives it this energetic type of feel, which mixes very well with not only his lyrical content, but his delivery. I think that his performance over this type of production matches and fits perfectly. And younger artists, I will, or up and coming artists, right? If you're trying to make a name for yourself, I am going to let you know what the cheat code is because here's the thing, all right? When it comes to hacking the music industry in hip hop, there's a couple elements that you need to have in order to do that successfully. And I feel like Joyner Lucas, has mastered those things. I'm about to give you guys game for free. And I don't know if you can take this and apply it to anything else that you're doing, 
but peep game. This is why this track is being discussed across multiple outlets, and in my opinion, is starting to go viral. Peep the game. Here's the cheat code when it comes to this. Are you guys ready? All right. What you have to do is write a song around a controversial conversation that's already occurring in society and make sure you drop names that are relevant when it comes to that. When you do that, the song has to be good and it has to be accompanied by a visual that is also good, great, or excellent, all right? You want to make sure you get the best representation for the visual. If you can do those things, it may hit. Now, what Joyner did with this one, he's having a conversation around the deaths of black people. And he's also talking about how society views black life. That's a conversation that's going on now. He framed it in the form of a prayer, a prayer to God, right? Which religion is something that we can all relate to. And he's asking God these hard questions. But in this song, he mentions Tupac, Aaliyah, Michael Jackson, Nipsey Hussle, Martin Luther King. And then on the other end, he lists, uh, what's that woman's name? Lauren Ingram, Tommy Loren. God, I hate saying her name. Donald Trump and a bunch of, he lists, he hits every angle and it, you just have to listen to the track to understand what it is that I'm talking about. But that is indeed the cheat code. If you can develop a song around a controversial conversation, make sure it's good and chalk it full of names of people that are liked, loved, hated, or whatever, and you put together a solid visual with that, you might just strike gold. I'm not saying you're going to do it every time, but we've seen what he did previously with I'm Not a Racist. It essentially is the same concept. There might there are some names in there, too. I believe you mentioned Sandra Bland and Trayvon Martin uh, in that song. Correct me if I'm wrong. I could be reaching. But still, it's a song that revolves around a controversial conversation that's occurring right now in society. Nevertheless, again, it's good to see Joyner Lucas is back. My favorite line in this song is going to be the final line. I don't want to say the final line because I feel like that would be the equivalent of spoiling a movie for you guys, especially if you haven't heard the track. So I would say take four minutes of your time. Check that out. Let me know what it is that you guys think. And again, it's good to see Joyner Lucas back on top. Uh, regardless of what you think the outcome was between him and Tory Lanez last year, it was very clear to me that either way, he had his hands full because in a lot of people's eyes, Tory performed at a level in that particular back and forth that we did not expect him to compete at. And he did it fairly well. So um, let me know what you guys think in the comments. If you guys are familiar with the Joyner Lucas and Tory Lanez battle, let me know who you guys think won both of those rounds. If you guys are familiar with this Joyner Lucas, uh, the Devil's Work track, please let me know what you think about it and what your favorite lines were from that particular song in the comments. 
And if you think I'm spot on with my idea on how his music is becoming viral, let me know that in the comments too. I like to know when I'm right. All right. The very last thing that we will discuss today as a unit, as a family, as a podcasting collective, you and I, I like to think that's what we call ourselves here. I don't know what to call you guys. If you guys have any idea on what I should call you guys, uh, as far as listeners or whatever, please let me know in the comments. I would love to hear from you. But the last thing that we will discuss as a collective will be the spiritual, lyrical, miracle, killing you in your swimming pool track that is known as Homicide, which is a track by Logic featuring Eminem. Yes, Logic. Everyone's favorite misguided mulatto is back with another biracial banger for that ass. That was mean. I probably shouldn't say that. I like Logic. He's he's not misguided. And uh, I think his uh, his his story about him being biracial, that's his truth. He, I, I appreciate him for standing in his truth and owning his truth because so few of us are as bold to do that. What you should know about on this track, though, is Logic said nigga, which took me by <laughs> surprise. But we'll get into that later. The track is called Homicide. It's Logic featuring Eminem. This track is exactly what it sounds like, all right? This is a track where both MCs have fun talking about how much better of a rapper they are than you or your favorite rapper. But yes, they are definitely a, be a better rapper than you, regardless of if you've touched a mic or not. They want you to know <laughs> that before you even get started, they will fucking kill you. And me personally, I love tracks like this, all right? You can give me a conceptual track, you can give me an introspective track, you can give me a storytelling track, you can give me a club banger, it's cool, I'll probably vibe with all of them, but these spiritual, lyrical, miracle, killing you in your swimming pool, individual tracks, give those to me every time because they are becoming rarer and rarer, so when I hear them, it's like a breath of fucking fresh air, I will tell you that. So what are you going to get when you listen to this track? If, if you're familiar with Logic and you're familiar with Eminem, you are going to get a barrage of bars. You're going to get complex, intricate, perplexing double-time flows on this joint, all right? I feel like these guys are flowing it arguably like 158 words a minute maybe even faster. I could be exaggerating. I'm not clocking them, but I'm telling you, they get into their bag on this one, all right? It's not as fast as, let's say, like, speed them with Eminem and Tech 9 but still, you know how these guys do. You know how they give it up, man. Um, it's going to be a barrage of bars. It's going to be full of punchlines, double entendres, metaphors, and similes, focusing on both MCs being the best at what it is they do, the production I can only describe as like a detuned, lossless, modulating type trap beat. Uh, it's very dark. It's a little gloomy, a little grim, a little obscure, but it fits. You know what I mean? I think it fits what it is that they're trying to do. And I think their flows and performance and delivery over this track are on point as they would be with any other track. I don't think they're giving any more or any less than uh, what it is that they would normally give on this track. But again, it sounds like they had fun. Uh, Logic said nigga. Logic had his dad on this track. His dad did the intro, which I thought was um, 
It's good to see that father-son relationship between those two, and that's one of the things that I really like about Logic. You know, people can say he's corny, they can say he's this and that he's that, but one of the things that you have to give this guy is he's unapologetically himself. When you're unapologetically yourself, I think that's what resonates with his fans. Logic is a nerd. And with him being a nerd, other nerds can relate to that shit. There's that. And I'm not saying that as a disrespectful way. After all, this podcast is called Hip Hop and Anime Vibes. What the fuck do you think I am, right? Anyway, Logic just sounded like he had a whole lot of fun on this joint. Not so much punchline-wise. It sounded like Logic was just riding the flow on this one. Um, and he let left Eminem to do a lot of the heavy lifting when it comes to the bars, metaphors, similes, all the stuff that people would remember. My favorite line on this track came from Eminem uh, when he said, uh, what the fuck did this nigga say? Making dog sounds because I got to keep breaking bars down. I'll go slow for the speds. But when I go roof, like the Doberman said, I think the roof will go over your head. And I like that joint because, first of all, it, it can get a little lost in translation because it came on the tail end of a cringy red rover rover is red i shot you in the head and your whip instead type of the first four bars of that shit leading up to this this particular uh steez felt a little forced wasn't feeling it but to me that shit is dope because he's poking fun at the casual hip-hop fan who doesn't quite pay attention to what it is that he's saying what he's essentially saying is my level of lyricism is so elite and so far above your head that even if I try to fucking dumb it down, you still won't get some of the shit that I'm saying. Shit like that, when you're able to brag on your skills like that, I'm sorry. Like, you could say what you want to say. You could say that's an average set of bars or whatever. But when I'm looking for new and creative ways to say how much better of an MC someone is than the other MC, that to me... It's just going to be, it's a staple in my style. I love doing that shit and I love hearing that shit. So the fact that there's still somebody in the game doing shit like that, I'm all the way bought in. I love this track. I ran it back a couple different times. Um, now I'm not, I'm probably not going to put this on in the whip when I'm cruising with my old lady, but when I'm in the mood for some heavy spiritual, lyrical, miracle, killing you in your swimming pools, individual critical type shit. I'm putting this on, all right? But who gives a fuck what I think? What do you think about Logic featuring Eminem Homicide? Let me know in the comments. Do you think this is, I don't know, track of the year? Or do you think that this is average at best? Or do you think it's absolute trash and we need to uh, burn, it, throw, burn it with fire or throw it in rice? Like, let me know what it is that you guys think. I can't wait to have that conversation with you guys and get your opinion and your feedback on what that particular track is to you. All right, and that concludes what it is that we have to talk about today. Looks like it was a long one. Uh, we'll see. This might be one for the record books. This is definitely the most that I've talked about hip-hop within the past couple of episodes. If you guys are feeling this, let me know. But before we get out of here, make sure you're doing yourself a service, all right? Treat yourself. Do not cheat yourself. Subscribe to the podcast, follow the podcast, like the podcast across all socials, share the podcast, comment, engage in the conversation. 
But above any and all things, make sure you're keeping up with us. Also, don't forget to join the group on Facebook where we'll keep some of these conversations going. And you can even start up a conversation as well. Could be anything hip hop or anime related. Would definitely love to get your insight on some of the conversations we are having. Also, again, I'm giving away 100 CDs for free. Yes, the copy of my first album, the Northsider EP is available now. I will ship it to you wherever you are in the world. It does not matter if you are in America or Botswana. It will get there. All you have to do is cover the shipping and I will make sure it gets there. All right. This is for my biggest fans, my biggest supporters who have not gotten their hands on physical merch from me yet. This is a way for me to show and express my appreciation to you. So if you support the kid and you want one in your life, cover the shipping. I'll send it to you. Click the link in the description to follow the instructions to get yours. And last but certainly not least, this podcast has been brought to you by me, a real nigga in the flesh. Yes, D-Town's You're a Star is now available on Spotify, Tidal, Apple Music, iTunes, Deezer, wherever you get your music from, go stream that shit, go download that shit. It's a song that documents my trials and tribulations as being a young man trying to make it in hip hop and just trying to find a way through the local hip hop scene where I'm from in my hometown. All right. So go check that out again. The song is called D-Town. You're a star. All right. And that's a wrap like safe sex and latex. You already know who it is. It's your boy D-Town, a.k.a. Hip Hop and Anime Vibes, a.k.a. the 8th Glow Kage, a.k.a. the Black All Might, a.k.a. On Sight. I'm here. <laughs> a.k.a. Pusha T-Challa, a.k.a. Eric Trillmonger, a.k.a. Living My Life Like It's Golden Frieza, a.k.a. Sailor Goon. And in the name of the goon, I'll see you next time. Peace.